Hi, everyone. Welcome back to Cup of Tea with Rick G. And today on the show, we have got a fellow podcaster and fellow property investor. And we are interviewing Tej Singh from Tej Talks Podcast. Good morning, Tej. Good morning, Rick. Very good morning, actually. Like I said earlier, you've got me up early when I'm normally in the gym, being moody, not talking to anyone. So um, I'm looking forward to this. I love being interviewed. This is great, isn't it, as a change? Because you're the usually the person that's on the other side of the microphone, as it were, doing all of the interviews. Uh, and you had me on your show last month, which was awesome. Thank you for that. So I thought we would return the favour, bring you back over to our show, and maybe just have a different slant, and maybe talk a little bit about podcasting and about interviewing people and the whole process, really. Because I don't know what you think, Ted, but I think podcasts are very popular right now and i think they're only going to get more and more popular because they are so convenient people can listen on the run they can pause they can go back etc um, and i think it's something that you know is really starting to rumble right now and lots of people are interested in it what's your thoughts on that i think you're spot on it's one of those things which i think you can use in your audio dead time but when i mean dead time it's you know when your hands your your um eyes when all your other senses are busy you can listen to podcasts and i don't think there's any other medium which lets you learn as much and as well as a podcast because so i listen to them on three times speed so i get an hour-long podcast in you know a third of the time so when you kind of think about that, where else could you learn an hour's worth of stuff in, in a third of the time whilst I could be, like you said, running, I could be cooking, I could be anywhere on a plane, on a train, whatever. I think it's, it has to get bigger because there's no, there's just no better medium that I know of apart from audio that actually scientifically also helps people learn, but also, yeah, uses up that time where you otherwise just be listening to music or the air or something. <laughs> the air, I like it. And I know that you, you, because you can get so many different people from all walks of life on podcasts, and it's nice to get the holistic view of people that are actually out there right now making things happen and people can aspire towards. Yeah, absolutely. And I think that's kind of what we focus on at Tej Talks because you know, when it comes to guests, if we look at any of the big American ones, which makes sense because they are big, they get big guests on. And, you know, you hear people who have multi-million, billion dollar businesses who, you know, yeah, you know, credit to them. They've taken 10 years to get there. They've taken time. They've put in the hustle and the work. But when I look at that, I kind of think, well, that's, you know, 40 steps away from where I am. Who's a the next step who's at four steps who's at six steps and so i like to get people on who you know and in particular who maybe don't even have like a big personal brand or aren't necessarily well known on social media but are doing incredible things but you know no one knows about it you know there's people who are doing more than the celebrities in, in property and business are doing but no one knows about it so i want to show the world look you can do this because you know you did it rick everyone else on the podcast did it within a very good time frame and realistically you know yeah absolutely it's got to it's got to be real so let's just go back a little bit then so life before podcasting etc Ted. so for those that are listening to the show that don't know much about you can you just tell us a bit about your background a bit about your experience and what you're currently doing in property right now absolutely so let's go right back so i graduated from king's college with a degree in biochemistry you know very good uh, very good little indian boy getting a good science degree um 
I didn't want to be a doctor. I, I, I wanted to work in science, but I went into like pharmaceutical uh, marketing, kind of. Um, had a job there, changed job, got a big pay rise, and then got fired because they were like, um, you're not really doing what you said you were going to do in an in, in interview. You've lost your passion. And I had. I, I read a book called Bad Pharma. I recommend it for anyone. And yeah, lo- lost total faith in, in pharmaceuticals. Left that, started a recruitment company because my friend did it, said he'd mentor me. I'm still waiting for the mentorship. Um, so <laughs> had to kind of do that alone. It was profitable from week two and it has been ever since. It's just me. Uh, no humans in the business, no headaches. It's very sort of straightforward and, and simple to run, should I say. And is that what um, you're doing right now, Ted? Is that your main source of income? Yes, yeah, so it has been. So I then I did that for a year and a half, went crazy working from home. Then I started consulting. So going in-house to, to firms, you know, purely kind of working for them. Just finished one now for the past six months. Um, and, it, you know, as of today right now, which is the end of April, I am... Um, so I'm 90% in property. So I am 10% doing the recruitment piece. Um, so I think that's kind of a really abridged whistle-stop tour of, I guess, what brought me to today. But I think what got me into property was I used to, I actually can't remember. I think it was like Grand Designs and Amazing Spaces. Um, loved like those cool, cool houses. I've always loved like the Hollywood Hills, like you know, glass everywhere, incredible houses. And I thought I, I want to, build stuff like this for myself to live in but also like I want to have a pretty nicely designed property portfolio I'm listening to um, the progressive property podcast I went to one of their their sort of free events got a free ticket to their masterclass went to that last year in May on the on the podcast masterclass no no it was like their general um property masterclass thing like the the intro course I did that um and then once I did that I kind of, I don't know, I didn't do much for a few months. I was thinking, I was analyzing, I was basically saving up money as well. And then carried on with recruitment. And then, yeah, I guess I'm here now. I feel like I've missed something. Awesome. Okay, that's been a pretty whistle-stop tour then, really, for (laughs) property. Um, So in terms of your portfolio right now, what does that look like? What is it that you're aspiring towards and whereabouts are you? Sure. So I'll start with where I'm at. So I've got a property in Neath, which is in South Wales, in the Va- well, it's not in the Valleys, but it's near enough. Um, That's a great answer. Did I get <laughs> in the Valleys? Um, thank you. And so I've got I've got one there. It should exchange today, actually. Um, I need to call my solicitor to make sure we're all good for that. I had a lot of challenges and trouble and learning with this one. Um, before that, actually, I was going to buy a property for £18,000, which wow. is crazy, but it had heavy subsidence. Basically, it needed back to brick and then underpinning. Yeah, so forget that. Moved on from that one. Um, so I had this one property. I am viewing, how many this week? Every week, I'm probably viewing a minimum of 10 in Wales. So, you know, lots of offers going out. You know, you look at my spreadsheet, it's just rejected all the way down, which is what I expect um, and obviously keep following up with them. I think in terms of what I want it to look like for me, I think it's important to, and I think for a lot of investors to have a diversity and to de-risk. So I want, you know, five by to let, let's say a couple of HMOs, a couple of blocks of flats, and then some ongoing flips at the same time. So the reason for obviously having different things is if regulations change, if, they bring in some new law because you know everyone hates landlords if they do something silly 
or for whatever reason, you know, a HMO isn't getting, you know, filled because of whatever reason, then at least I have other things in the portfolio to fall back on. So I think that's my ideal. Land is is cool. I'm not interested in it too much. I prefer commercial conversions, taking something ugly and making it into, you know, a grand design, basically. So the project you're currently working on now, I know that you've had some challenges with that. So can you talk us through that, Tej? Um, how did you source it? What's your intention to turn it into? And the challenges you've had in the last couple of weeks in terms of raising finance? Absolutely. So I sourced it using a guy called Sean Forsey, who is a deal sourcer in South Wales. Um, he's quite active on Facebook. You probably see him. Uh, so he found it for me. He found me the first deal with the subsidence, but obviously that kind of fell through. So I said, look, you know what I want. Like just, yeah, just get it to me. And he, and he called me and said, look, I've got this. And it worked out. So we did it. Um, the challenges. Okay. So it's purchase price of 50,000 pounds, refurb of 5k and it all comparables would revalue 80k. And that's what as a buy to let? Yeah. Standard buy to let. Um, if it's a flip, there's, I don't know, 15 grand worth of profit in there. So it's okay. It's not bad. Um, considering the deposit is only, I think it was at 12 and a half to make 15 off that kind of, you know, it's, it's decent. Um, but I'll probably keep it because the rental market in Wales is very strong from my... So you're in Wales, is it, Taj? So this is in Neath. Mm. So it's near Swansea, I think is the closest big town. And it's also near Cardiff. When I say near, it's about 40 minutes from Cardiff. Yeah, I think, I think it's vibrant right there at the moment. Yeah, there's a, there's a lot happening. Um, and so with this deal, the future i guess of, of what it um not future sorry the challenges is what you asked me about so okay so firstly it's 50k meaning there weren't many like institutional bridges who would want to lend 37 and a half grand because they just thought it's too low waste of our time we've got people coming to us with 100 200 etc etc that was the first one so i think there were only two lenders that were available and that's together and roma i believe at least at decent rates um I think I had a problem with my broker. Essentially, he hired someone to, to do this case. They messed up, which basically meant the whole bridging loan took, I don't know, I think we're, we're in the seventh, sixth, no, we're in the sixth week right now. And it basically still wouldn't have been sorted. And this is with Together. So Together from, you know, half the people hate them and say they take forever half the people say they love them and they've been really quick mm. ever since i got rid of the broker and said to together look you're dealing with me direct now it's been quick like as in i'm texting the underwriter like it's been quick so you know i can't say anything negative or positive about them but what i will say to people on this is when you complain about things like don't do the whole british thing and just sit there and eat the cold food like complain because things happen right so i tweeted them and i left a pretty vitriolic review on trustpilot and they got back to me instantly and then we're like how can we fix this what can we do customer services our priority we're so sorry blah 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 and i thought for a bridging lender who people think are like sharks and things like that to be giving me that much love is is quite good and quite reassuring right so that was i mean that was the biggest challenge in itself i mean as we went through the paperwork they asked for changed every time you know i didn't necessarily have an accountant with a like a company stamp who could stamp the verification they were asking for my salary, even though I have a, a JV partner in there, my mom who has a salary to cover the insurance. Um, I found out that the insurance now costs double because although it's worth 80 grand, the surveyor said the insurance should cover 170 grand. And I put this in a group on Facebook and everyone was like, yeah, that's, that's fairly normal. 
I didn't know. So that doubled my insurance cost. Um, That's the rebuild cost, yeah. Yeah, yeah, the rebuild cost. I mean, I don't know. I'm not a builder, but I still don't (laughs) think it's it's that much. Um, And then the insurance doubled again. The insurance also went up a bit when it was unoccupied for the first month, which I I didn't know. Um, The the bridging lender or, or the broker basically took days to come back to every amendment. That, so if, if they'd say, oh, we need this form, I'd send it back. Three days later, they'd say, oh, you've written half of it digitally and half of it in, in ink. Can we have it all in? I was thinking it's 2019. I shouldn't have to write any of it in ink. Mm. Um, I think it, it's also a point of, you know, I felt very overwhelmed. Like I handled it very well. Like my mind was saying it wasn't affecting me, but I was in such a like zone at the end of the day, when I looked back, I was like, oh, like, you're really overwhelmed. Like, um, you know, I know if anyone listening or you, Rick, will get this, but when I'm really, really focused or busy, I become a bit clumsy. Like, my mind is so focused on whatever it is that physically I drop things and I like, it's really weird, I don't know. But I noticed that kept happening. And this all comes from the fact you're dealing with all this stuff with the bridges, with the insurance, and you're thinking, hold on, these sellers, I've told them we're going to have a quick sale. And we're here five weeks later messing around when like, we're ready to exchange. I was ready to exchange a week and a half ago. <laughs> and I'm also trying to chase the solicitors before that to get to that point. And now I'm like, oh, but I look like an idiot because I'm hyping saying, yes, can we exchange now? Can we exchange now? And then it comes to the crunch and it, yeah, you can't do it. And I can't do it. But I think through these challenges, I've also learned the power of my network. You know, I asked people I knew, I asked Facebook and I got investors. So I have investors who will lend at 1% a month, which is you know, fairly standard. I found an institute, well, not an institution, like a private fund who, who offered to bridge it as well. It was just too expensive. Um, I met a networking event and actually a lot of my friends, like through property who I text or who noticed this kind of suggested a lot of things to me or put me in touch with someone or, referred someone or said they would lend me money you know and I thought wow it's like everyone kind of rallied together when I needed them the most and then luckily I didn't need it in this sort of situation but it was quite nice to see because at the beginning I wasn't getting any private investment no one was interested and actually I got a call from Daniel Hennessy who you might know from Facebook and he said <clears throat> he said Tej what are you doing mate get on a phone and I was like what, what do you mean he's like speak to everyone you know and I was like all right fine 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 because I I must have been being lazy. I, I took his advice and, you know, look what happened. I got potentially all this investment and met investors. So I think if anyone listening, it's really important to have people in your network who will do that, who will pick up the phone and, and give you a kick on the backside and say, get on with it. Like do something, right? Go out there and find it. And that, and that really helped. So, so there's a silver lining and there's this positivity that, that comes from those challenges. And I think it's, I mean, we do normally go into a little bit of networking and talk about networking, but I think we've covered that and how important your network is. And, you know, it doesn't matter which book you read, pretty much all of them say, you know, your network is part of parcel of your success. And every billionaire that has written a, a biography, an autobiography has said that they wouldn't have been where they are today without their network around them. So it's absolutely true, isn't it? And I know for myself that when we go out there, we do big deals. I'll probably make two, maybe three phone calls if we need funding and we can get it over the line pretty quickly. And that's all because of building that network. So those people that are listening, that are scared to put your face out there or even to go out to a networking meeting and stand up and tell people who you are and why you are there, you are really, really missing a 
trick because if you're serious about this then you need to make sure that you get out of that comfort zone is that right Tej? absolutely preach everything you're saying is is so true it's you know even if you're, if you're very very nervous go to a networking event and say look i'm going to speak to just two people today just two even if the people sitting next to you even if it's like the host or one of the speakers speak to two people and then go home but just every time like if you're that sort of fearful every time increase it and increase it and increase it um it yeah networking is an interesting one i think i personally i know we're not delving into it too much but i have found facebook networking meaning watching someone seeing what they're like kind of you know seeing if we get along if our values are aligned then you know popping each other a message and saying hey i've been stalking basically um i think it'd be really cool if we met up had a chat we seem to kind of be into the same things and then boom we meet up and from that i've probably made much stronger relationships than i have from like mass networking events mm. whether or not that's just like who i am as like a person um or at a networking event, I feel too awkward to detach from the person if we're having a conversation and meet more people. I don't know, but I don't know if you feel the same, Rick, Facebook versus kind of real life mass events. You know what, it it leads us on really well, Tej, to, you know, talking about social media and what have you. So, um, you know, we're part of the property side of things now. Let's talk a little bit more about your podcast and social media. So um, what do I feel about social media? Well, I think it's really a double-edged sword. And social media is so, so powerful if it's done properly, but it's very easy to get carried away and it's very easy to get um, embroiled in pretty trivia conversations sometimes that can turn quite nasty and sometimes you can get you know your your mind and your focus can be drawn in and that's then when when that happens it becomes quite a dark place so there are two sides to it and what I would say to people that are listening is yes social media use it for your benefits and use it try and help as many people as you can through it and in order to build your network but don't listen to the noise because there is far too much noise out there really from people that are either ill-experienced and they're just giving opinion rather than fact or they're regurgitating something that they've heard on another forum with little or no knowledge themselves or they have done it but they've done it 30 years ago they haven't moved with the times and things have changed now so they've become quite despondent so that's the bad stuff the good stuff is when it's right, it's brilliant. And when you're in the right group, it's really powerful. And there's lots of, most people in general want to help people. Most people are giving. So the people that are there that really genuinely want to help, and if you're in the right group that offers that, then it's absolutely awesome. And it's a great friendly place to be. So it's two sides really. And I think, you know, um, don't take it too seriously and make sure that you are only dipping in and out on a random basis, perhaps maybe, you know, nine till 10 in the morning morning that's your Facebook time and your Twitter time and your Insta time and then just go away from it unless you are starting a question that you need a specific answer to because otherwise you'll get embroiled in these threads and you'll find that it'll take up all of your day and you'll get nothing else done that's my experience Ted of social media so you know what, what do you think so I agree with the first half which is that it is a double-edged sword I think that's that's all that I mean it has to be a fact it just is it, it has positives and negatives for your health for your mental health for, for your education for everything I think where I disagree with you is the point about the long threads and getting in broad now I don't know what it is about me and I was speaking to someone the other day because they were saying 
they get like weirdos messaging messaging them on Facebook or, or the same as you said they had these long threads of like you know people giving ill advice etc etc I haven't I haven't found any of that I think I'm very good at like ignoring the noise like you said so for me if a thread kicks off like that I I just wouldn't be involved in the first place if, if I happen to be but you must have seen it you must have seen threads oh, started yeah. and, um, you know um, sometimes people just feel drawn into them to either defend their, their colleagues their peers or just because they've got their own opinion and that's where it starts so they they're definitely there oh yeah a hundred percent that they definitely exist but I I think it's about how you view them as well. I think, I don't know how to explain it, but with me, I've just never got, I mean, it's happened once in the whole time of Facebook. And even then my response was pure, like public relations statement, you know, from like, <laughs> but I think what's important is you have to have the mindset of if these things are going on, like, like you said, just push it to the side, ignore the noise. And then, and when you're new to Facebook and property, it's very easy to listen to everyone because, well, everyone's got an opinion. Everyone's buying property, so they must have some sort of knowledge. But and at the beginning, it's very easy to be a sponge for the wrong things. Mm-hmm. And I think you have to just be wary. You, know, you have to stalk. You have to watch people and look at what they post, reference it to Google, You know, um, listen to what they say, what kind of groups they're in, what are they saying on their videos, how do they communicate? And this might sound like hard work, but naturally, as you spend time on these platforms, you'll you'll just naturally as a human discern who is you know chatting rubbish and who is actually knowledgeable and i think social media is so so powerful like you said to get yourself out there you know if nowadays if if, so, if you meet someone at an event and they say oh, i've done this i've done that i don't know what used to happen before social media but now you would you'd google their name and in fact you'd probably facebook or instagram their name before you google their name um and you'd see what they're up to and if they're not posting what they're doing you know someone you meet someone they say yeah i've got 50 properties you know yeah i'm a really big property investor look 100 there's property investors with loads of properties who are not on facebook or not on social media totally get that and that's that's fine there's not not a problem with that but when you meet someone you want social proof and to verify what they're saying to some extent right to just just to, to know okay you know what i can breathe easy like i trust what they said and that all comes from social proof, which is from social media. So it, it is a balance. And I think, you know, what you said about spending certain time on, on, on social media, like I recommend that as well. Personally, I don't do that. What I do is I do it in my dead time. So I'm on the toilet. I'm on social media. I'm waiting two minutes for something in the microwave. I'm on social media. Um, I'm waiting for the train. I'm on it. Like, so I use the little snippets of dead time during the day, which add up to a lot when we think about it for social media. So I think Ted, that really depends on, on what commitments you have in social media. And, um, and, you know, it's certainly not the case for me because there's so much to do on there for me as a person, as a brand, as a company. Um, And if I went in there sort of on 10 minute snippets, there would be so much for me to answer so many tags for me to go and respond to it just wouldn't work out that's why we have to really limit our time to specific hours in the day otherwise it would end up as being all day yeah i mean i recommend that for for most when people ask me i say structure it i personally have just found a nice balance with kind of it being all over the place it's just kind of i don't know it suits me Mm. it kind of suits my, my personality i guess but yeah totally agree with you most people listening i would say make structure for it because it's a part of your business right 
It is, yeah, absolutely. And what do you think about, you know, showing your wares on social media? Because I think, in my experience, you're damned if you do, and you're damned if you don't, because you put your, you know, your properties and your successes and share your stories, and sometimes people come back and say, oh, you're sort of showing off and you're being crass or you're being flashy, and then you don't do it, and then people come back and say, well, you never post any of your deals, so how do we know that you're authentic? <laughs> where's the, you know, where's the balance? I think... I think the people who say you're showing off when you post like property deals and figures and pictures of viewings are, are stupid. They, they're haters. Haters, like y'all can just like move because there's no room for that. At the end of the day, I think, yes, yeah, some people might post it in a showing off in way and say, oh, look at me, hundreds deal. I'm a boss. Yeah, look, at, if you, it depends on the language. If you're like that, then yeah, you, you are showing off and you know you are because that's your language, that's your tone of voice. If you just say, which I think 95% of people do, is just say, look, here's a deal, here are the figures, we're looking for investment, uh, this is our 10th property, you know, we're looking for more. It's very like in that kind of tone, it's very just upright. Yeah, there might be a few fire emojis and, and like dollar sign emojis, but it's not showing off. So I think people who comment on ones that aren't showing off, telling you you're showing off, they need to move because they're haters. If I think the balance comes when if people post pictures of stuff they've bought, their brand new Porsche, their watch, then I think <laughs> people start to hate a bit more. I I personally don't really mind. I like cars, so I like seeing people posting their cars. Uh, and in fact, it inspires me. I think recently a guy posted a, a picture of a yellow Lamborghini and it was like satin, like Tej Talks yellow. And that's your color, yeah. <laughs> and, and I was just like, cool, like, that's that's coming soon. It, it made me smile because I was like, I love it. It looks gorgeous. I can see that now in my mind. I can see this Lamborghini uh, <laughs> Aventador with Ted's talks written in your black graphics down the side. That would look awesome. That would look pretty cool. And it's the right model. I've actually got that on my screensaver. An right Aventador. Yeah, a yellow one as well. So I'm just staring at it. <laughs> awesome. I think either that or a Hurricane. I think those are the two best ones that you could possibly get. I can, mm. you can get a Lambo's in pretty much any colour, I think. And you know, bizarrely, you've seen my microphone. So I'm here with my podcast mic and it's bright yellow. It's Ted, you know, it's Ted yellow. That's what we're going to start referring this to. Ted yellow. What can I say? I'm starting a trend. Hated that colour. <laughs> where <laughs> no, did look, that come I think... from, Ted? Where, did the, where does the yellow branding come from? Apart from it's a great colour, it's nice and bright and cheerful. Yeah. Canary yeah. yellow? I mean, what was I that was... about? I was thinking about it this morning. So I used to love orange. I think for one of my birthdays when I was like 14, we painted our front door orange. That's all I wanted. I was like, I want orange front door. The crazy kid I was instead of getting money. And so <laughs> I've always liked orange. And then I've always liked, there's a color called gesser. It's not an English word, but it's a color that's kind of like orange and kind of like yellow, like a mango color. Mm. Um, and then it's always been with me, this color. And then I started, I, I bought a yellow jumper and I thought, you know what? this color like suits me. I look good in this color. I'm not going to lie. I was confident. And then um, I thought, okay, this is a nice color. And then what I do is actually, before I start like a company or like a brand, like I have for my property company, which is called Bricks and More or my recruitment company, I Google a uh, meaning of colors and I'd implore everyone to do this. And there's one particular picture that it's kind of like, it's got all the colors of the rainbow on it. And it's got um, various company logos coming out from it. And it says what each color stands for. And I look at that every time and I think, mm, you know, this makes sense. There's a lot of psychology behind colors. Yellow was very kind of optimistic, positive, vibrant, kind of summery. And it stands out. And I thought, this is everything I associate with. And I want, you know, Tej Talks to associate with. And so 
it just went from there. And then I started buying more yellow jumpers and then just, it kind of took off. And what's I think really cool actually is that, so my podcast, I don't know how this has happened, but it's ranked 15 on iTunes. Awesome. And what category is that in? Uh, marketing and management. So I've got Rob Moore, who's eighth, and Gary Vee, who's second. And I'm one ahead of the MFCEO project. I don't know if anyone knows that guy, but he's freaking insane. So I think iTunes is broken. But when you look at this like screen grab of iTunes, my one naturally you know without being biased is the brightest color it does look good with your you know you know your little caricature as well of yourself on there <laughs> no it does look good your branding is really clever thank you I, I love doing it you know people say why don't you outsource why don't you like get someone to do it for you but i'm like no this is the part i would never outsource because i love it so much i mean i know obviously i've got a podcast clearly you're you're, you're talking on it now um, <laughs> but in terms of you know what we do in this particular sector um i think you are doing it extremely well certainly got my eye on your podcast and moving forwards i mean didn't you just release your hundred did you just get your hundred thousandth download so i got my 50,000th download. 50, so yeah. And that's in about, I think it's about six months, six months and a few weeks, yeah. maybe. That's awesome. So let's talk about podcasting then. You know, let's, let's do, do let's it. do this. So, I mean, <laughs> you know, I'm going to learn some stuff perhaps as well. I don't know. Why did you start, you know, what, what, what was your inspiration? Cause I know that, um, I've followed you for a while. I've been stalking you for a little while. And <laughs> you started doing a few book reviews, I think. Is that fair to say? Yeah. Yeah. A few videos. I've got more. I just need to release them. I'm just being so not being, um, not been consistent enough. And was that before you started Tench Talks podcast or um, did um, it all happen together? No. So I think, um, so the video reviews came after Tesh Talks because Tesh Talks is a podcast, but it's also kind of just my brand. So I do Tesh Talks on YouTube. I do it on the okay. blogs, on, on anywhere, but anywhere that I'm there, it's just, it's Tesh Talking, right? Oh, I, I didn't know that you said, I thought Tesh Talks was just the podcast. No, 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 it's just everything. So I've got a YouTube channel, it's just Tesh Talks, I've got Instagram. It's, it's pretty much, yeah, it's, it's, it's a personal brand that is on every medium that I can make time for, basically. So the videos came after that. So I thought, no one's doing book reviews, like on a video. Um, you do the written reviews and like you get on Amazon and stuff. But I thought, hold on a minute, let me just give people my opinion in, in a minute so it fits on Instagram as well uh, and I started doing that but I think to answer your your first question about why I started it was when I started learning about property all I had access to and again this was very narrow it wasn't I didn't have full market view was people who were a lot older than me and age is not a problem but what that means is they were doing property when it was 120% mortgages next day refinance you know it, it were the days when it was a little bit easier not to say they didn't hustle but it was a little bit easier the market conditions were different it was a different time and so I was learning from them I was definitely learning in general but I wanted people like you Rick like people who are on my podcast who are doing it right now like as soon as you get off this podcast you're going to be on the phone you're going to be buying properties you're going to be doing things right now with you know impending Brexit whatever that even means anymore you know with the current mortgage rates with all these changes that are happening. I want to learn from you. I want to learn from people who are real. And so I thought, you know what, let me do a podcast because why not? I like jumping into things without you know, necessarily doing too much research. And then, you know, I discovered Facebook and I discovered all these people, you know, from these various groups like yours who are just doing incredible things. And then I said, look, you know, it, it's time to let you shine and give you a platform. And also, you know, I get to learn as well. I get to speak to people and build networks. So it's, yeah. So I think that's the reason I started it. And also I just love 
the branding aspect. Like we kind Don't of you think that. though, Ted, that, you know, um, and this is meant with the utmost respect because I do love your podcast, but there are so many other people doing what we do. Mm-hmm. Um, what makes your podcast different? What's your USP? Absolutely. And I think, you know what, I say this to, to people when you know, my friends come to me when they're starting businesses and they want sort of a little bit of mentoring, very unofficial, just, you know, helping them launch. And they say, you know, when it's a personal brand, they say, what's going to make me different? You know, what is going to be unique? And I say, it's you. It's like nothing else is going to be unique about what you're doing because like you said, there's you know, thousands, millions of podcasts. There's, you know, a hundred, there's many different types of water bottles. There's many different types of everything you know letting agents estate agents uh, fintech companies banks what makes them different is essentially the people behind them and so in this case it's me you know some people are going to listen to me and say oh we don't like it you sound too posh um we don't like your your terrible yorkshire accent etc you know and they're going to not like it but then some people are going to listen and say wow you know we love the realness we love that you talk how you talk and you do what you do so Rick, the same for you i think people are always gonna like want to listen to rick (coughs) not necessarily you know a cup of tea or ted talks it's us and that goes with anything with investment do they care about our company name or our website yeah a little bit not really they care about us so i really think and to be blunt to anyone listening it's you you are what makes your brand and potentially your company unique I, I totally agree with all of that because people buy from people and, you know, people buy into people as much as when they're listening to podcasts, when they're following, when they're gorging on content mm-hmm. and it is about the person. What I do worry about a little bit is that, you know, when you, you talk about the people that are out there, they're current right now, some of the big players, some not so big players, but they're out there in the background still hustling, but they have probably been interviewed before, um, do you tend to go and listen to other interviews before you conduct your own or do you just want to keep it on a completely individual level? Um, so do you mean, do I like listen to the other? Yeah. I mean, I, I may hear one and be like, Oh, they sound really cool. You know, we should talk. However, I don't listen to any property podcasts apart from yours and uh, the property nomads and, you know, a few others, but they're not always, you know, like yours and, and Nomads is not pure, pure property. So I don't actually listen to any pure property podcasts because I get an hour a week of my own, right? Like recording it. So I generally don't end up hearing them. I mean, I may, to be honest, I'd say 90% of my guests are from Facebook, 8% are from Instagram. And then like, there's a cup, maybe one who was referred for me. I, I don't usually listen. I just get a gut feeling. I maybe get on the phone with them, see how they communicate. But generally I just have a gut feeling about how they come across on, on social media and then just, just get them on really, which. And I guess if it's a bit of a car crash, you don't have to put it out. (laughs) (laughs) Well, exactly. That's the awkward part. But luckily I've had no car crashes. Maybe had a few, few bumpers, a few scratches, but um, nothing that I would not put out, which is great. So something. It is because that does keep it real, doesn't it? Because this Mm. is all about making sure that you give somebody an opportunity to, and, you know, to promote themselves a little bit, but talk about their journey. And not everyone is comfortable talking, even if it's recorded and then you know published later. For a lot of people, that's going to take them right out of their comfort zone. And sometimes that might come across in nerves. Yeah, absolutely. I think I've had people who are nervous. Um, and I guess what I've done then instead is sort of just speak to them a bit longer before the podcast actually starts recording, just chatting, just doing this, having a laugh, just kind of warming them up and then sort of, 
slowly just saying, Hey, welcome to the podcast. And then just getting straight into it. And then it kind of works. Um, yeah, it, it, 90% of people haven't been nervous though, which I think, I don't know, I guess the world we live in where we communicate on video and, and phone calls and all this so much, people are just, I guess, used to it, right? Especially if they, if they network a lot. Yeah. Well, actually, I suppose some people are. I mean, you'd be surprised that a lot of the people that are on our programs, uh, we do like to interview, we like to bring them out onto podcasts. And very often, some people will say they're just too nervous. They just, you know, they're not used to it and they don't want to do it. So I think there's a bit of a 50-50 split there. But I think, you know, you do have to have some, you know, some kind of uh, persona when you're in your own business, you're working for yourself and you're calling all of the shots. I suppose you do need to sort of fit into, you know, one of those categories when you do have a little bit of confidence to be able to go out there and talk about yourself and your brand because it's all marketing at the end of the day and that can only ever be a good thing so Ted let's talk right back to the beginning so people that want to start a podcast Mm -hmm. how do they do it what's involved do they need to go out and spend thousands of pounds on kit and recording devices how did you start Sure. So how did I start? So my dad's a photographer, so he has loads of mics and cameras and all sorts of junk basically lying around that never gets used. Um, I said to him, uh, have you got a microphone? He said, yeah. I said, what for? Just, just recorded my voice. Cool. Give me a Samsung. It's a Samsung C01U. Cost 70 quid. You got it for a tenner from a boot sale. So really, my budget it started with a tenner. So it, it's what a good mic. What on to though, Tej? So this is a USB mic. So okay. it records so onto your, your computer or straight your... onto the computer. Yeah. So I've got other mics for like phone and bits like that, but yeah, you know, 10 quid in, uh, very, very easy to get. I mean, the software was, uh, I guess I'm used to learning and using new software and apps. So it's very easy to kind of learn. Audacity is free. Um, I do the editing myself. I then use GarageBand, which again is free. If you have a Mac, if you have a PC, I'm not sure what software you could use. That's like GarageBand. I need to find out. Um, I think, Look, my mic is not as good as like a 120 quid road one or, or, you know, Yeti maybe, but it's pretty good. And a lot of people have said that the quality is like bigger podcasts. So is that what I'm you're using now on this. Yeah. So it's the Samsung I'm using right now, yeah. the, the 10 quid Samsung, which is great. worth gone. Sounds great. Yeah, exactly. So it's, it's worth 70 quid. So it's a decent mic, but it's not very well marketed or known. So I think for people when they want to start, I'm actually writing like a guide on this at the moment because I thought, hold on a minute. A lot of people do ask me individually. Let me write like a, a Bible of how to podcast, hopefully, at least. Um, so the first thing is like with any goal, any thing in life, start with your why. Why are you doing this? Why a podcast? You know, why you? And then look at, you know, what is your podcast going to be like? Are you going to meet, are you going to interview people? Are you going to do on Skype? Are you going to meet people? How many episodes a week can you commit? How much time can you commit? So really lay the foundation, you know, ask yourself all the same questions you would ask yourself if you started a new business venture, you know, to understand your why and how. And then I think also when it comes to, you know, when you're first starting out, don't just rush into buying equipment and, oh yeah, yeah look, look at this kit. I think honestly, you can buy a good mic for probably 50 quid. Um, I use a bit of software called Piezo, which records off Skype and everything else, but I'm pretty sure Zoom lets you record directly off it. So we're doing this on Zoom now, folks, for those that are listening. um, It's a Zoom voice only call, just goes on to record, then we go into edit and that's it. Dead simple. So that's pretty awesome then. So you don't even need to spend, you know, the 30 quid I spent. Um, But think about the most important thing, Rick, I think is the time. So for me, I've worked out it takes a hundred minutes to go from pressing record with someone on a podcast to then me having it scheduled, ready to release content out, Instagram post scheduled, Facebook post scheduled, everything. Mm-hmm. So 
and, and I've done this for six months. I, when I, when I edit podcasts now, I don't actually listen to it. Sometimes I can do it visually by the waves yeah. so much. So anyone starting, if you're going to edit yourself, give yourself two hours, an hour to record an hour to do everything else, maybe even longer. Have you got this every week? And have you got the time to be scheduling it ahead of time to make sure that you don't miss a week? Like how important is it Ted, to get it bang on? I mean, when I started, I mean, I've been doing a podcast, I don't know, a couple of years, maybe three years now. Um, wanted to do it as a bit of a hobby, wanted to get more messages out there, more of a, an update on legislation and things like that. And then it kind of went into interviews. Now, if you go back for those that have listened to our podcast from like episode one, all the way through, it's a very varied level of audio depending on the situation that I'm in at the time. Sometimes if I'm doing a recording on um, Facebook, I would rip the audio, put that out. Maybe the recording wasn't that good, but the content was really good. So there's kind of a bit of an up and down there. Um, and then probably from maybe six, maybe nine months ago, decided to change it, decided to do it in the studio, in the office now, so the audio is better, just to keep the quality up a little bit higher. Um, do you think that's important? Do you think people really care about that if the quality is good? Absolutely. I mean, no one likes to listen to rubbish sound of, of any kind, right? No one wants to hear birds in the background or just any sort of rubbish. I think there's so, like you said before, there's so many other podcasts. If yours doesn't sound right, why am I going to listen to it? To, to well, put you it know I, I'm going to challenge that. I disagree with that because when I started doing all of this and, when, and again, you know, things like recorded um, and seminars and what have you, or even live webinars, Years ago, maybe about five years ago, I was so tied up with getting it bang on. And because I was so tied up with getting it bang on, I didn't produce that much content. And then I started listening to some of the, I mean, you mentioned Rob Moore um, from Progressive, started listening to a few of Rob's podcasts. And he was interviewing people in cafes with the hustle and bustle behind. There were police cars going past. There were people talking. You could hear the rattle of the cups. And I thought, you know what? That sounds really authentic. So that really shifted my mindset, Ted. And I thought, does it really matter so much if, because this is real, we're business people, we're not, you know, we, we, we're not hosts um, of, of multi-million pound shows. And does it really matter so much if my phone starts ringing in the background? I'm not sure it does anymore. I think that's, that's an interesting point. I think if you can have the audio quality good enough that you can hear that stuff in the background, but it's not distracting and it's not irritating, then I think it will work. Mm -hmm. If you have it so that you're literally sitting there with a the computer and it's like you're competing with the background and it's not clear, then I think naturally humans are just not going to listen because they have to really try to listen. I think as long as people can listen with ease, then it then it's cool. I haven't done one of those just because I can't get it. I have a, a studio mic, not like a lapel mic. If you had two lapel mics, I think that could work really well. Mm. But at the beginning, I think, look, you know, if, as long as you have a, a decent mic, and that could even be your computer mic if you've got a decent one, is like the quality like rob moore says start now get perfect later as long as it's of a decent quality you know what you said is right people need to put out the content because your first episode your first few episodes ain't nobody gonna listen to them like my my first few episodes <laughs> you know before it started getting some hype had oh, like 40 50 listens now they're getting you know 1000 1500 but like it's taken six months it's taken mm -hmm absolute pushing on marketing on everything to get there yeah i don't care about those first episodes you know you but, gotta, and i think it's you know, it, sometimes it's nice 
to go back to those first episodes when you're following somebody on a podcast and actually seeing the progression. So you listen to the podcast, maybe it's podcast number 300, but if you go back a couple of years and go back to podcast one or two, and it, and it does sound different. I mm. think it's nice to see that journey from where yeah. people come um, and all the way to where they are now. I mean, you know, some of my podcasts out there, they were recorded as videos. I think the order quality is not that perfect, but I'm not going to take them down because it is a journey. Yeah. Um, you know, there are guests on there that have provided some really great content. And just because of internet connection, you know, we were let down. I still owe it to them to put it out there. There's a great microphone kit, actually, Ted, that you can use, lapel mics, called, it's a Rode. And I can't remember the exact model number now, but it's, um, it's got an adapter that plugs into an iPhone with two three and a half mil sockets, which plug into the lapel mics. I use it a lot when I'm interviewing people live and that is crystal quality. It's about 75 pounds okay. off Amazon. Well, so look at that. I do need one for my phone. So yeah, interesting. Yeah, it's a really good piece of kit. So we've covered the, the recording bit. So, you know, maybe um, 100 minutes. Um, and then they've got the file. So let's say it's an MP3 file. What do they do with it then? How do they get that onto iTunes, Spotify, and, and everything else? Sure. So this process is, it's not long-winded, but um, at the beginning, before you, so before you even record an episode, I use a hosting service called Pippa, and that's P-I-P-P-A. A dot io hit me up if you want a referral link i think we both get 25 quid on amazon so io io pippa okay. and pippa is so i don't know a lot of people use like uh libsyn pod i don't know all these other hosting ones but i just found they looked like they were built in windows 98 they just looked terrible i just couldn't deal with it so i found pippa which is like a cool startup they've been acquired by a big company now and they just did things way like cooler the interface was so nice. Their customer service was like minutes they'd respond to. You. It was great. It, it, it is great. I pay £10 a month for hosting because I got an offer. I think it's normally £18 a month. Is that limited to a certain size? Uh, no, not, not as far as I remember. I upload two a week and mm. I've never had a problem. I could probably do a few more. And I, yeah, I don't think there'd be a problem with it. So Pippa basically pushes you to every single website, like even Google uh, podcast app, uh, luminary like any i'm in places i don't even know i was it just yeah, pushed. that's really interesting you say that because only a couple of weeks ago i googled my podcast and there's so much referral on my podcast on platforms i've never even heard of <laughs> independent platforms that you know people that are just pulling all the podcasts together and hosting them on their platforms it's everywhere it is it is and i think pippa's a great tool to do this it's got like a transcriber which is done by ibm watson the computer so it's I don't know. It doesn't pick my voice up very well. I think it does others better. Um, it's got like a little snippet tool. You can have your own podcast website like with it, like a mini sort of website. It's great. So what you do is with that MP3, so first you sign up to Pippa, sign up to iTunes because um, iTunes can take like two weeks to like approve. So mm -hmm. sign up to that way in advance. Um, I was helping my friend Aaron do, who's also got a podcast with it. I may have forgotten to mention this and he was ready to launch and he had to launch later because I did tell him. So um, I'm telling everyone right now, please sign up to iTunes really early. Um, once you've done all that stuff, Pippa's really self-explanatory, got the MP3. What I do, and it might be different to how you do is I put it into audacity. I strip the background noise off. I edit out my constant coughing. I, to be honest, I don't edit like any of the actual conversation. Um, I've never needed to. So it's quite straightforward. Edit out all the coughs and the weird, you know, background noises. Save that. Record an intro separately. 
and then put in GarageBand, put the intro in, put the main bit of um, audio in, put my Tej Talks intro, my Tej Talks outro, save as MP3, upload to Pippa. Once I get to Pippa, I write a bit of content in the little box. Um, I then go to Canva, C-A-N-V-A, which is like a, it's like Photoshop slash Illustrator for free. It is <laughs> the most addictive. If you like design, you're going to get addicted to it. Um, and I design like the little yellow square saying new episode, write the copy for that, chuck it in Instagram. And then I'm, I'm pretty much good to go at this point. And then I let the person know, Hey, it's being released here. Here's the two yellow squares of, of like art, do it when you need to. So this process, if you, if you want to outsource it, you can, um, I've seen quotes for the whole thing of like a hundred per podcast. I don't know if that's what you're what you've heard as well rick well i don't outsource it we do it all because we've got a you know there's there's a team of us in the office there's 10 of us here so we generally i mean you know that is a really simple process that you've described that i do it exactly the same i just use different um hosting platform and different editing tools because we're mac based in the office so i'll record directly onto zoom that's what we're doing this from now i think the audio quality is pretty good on zoom it is dependent on your internet connection once the files then uh, the podcast has been recorded the file then will go to one of the team just to put the intro and the outro on because um, we've got an intro and an outro that we like to use a bit of branding and as you say Ted edit out any coughing or sniffing or you know any bizarre noises in the background what that's edited usually well it depends um, it depends on what platform we're using it can be done on GarageBand or we can use um, if we're using mobile devices we use a software platform called LumaFusion um, which is also video editing as well, so we can do both. But it will rip the audio out and just put it back as a, an MP3. Or um, it really, again, it really depends on on what system that we're using at the time. But if we're using um, LumaFusion, once that's done and it's ripped out, then I host on a platform called Blueberry. Um, and again, it's really easy. All you have to do is upload the file, put a little bit of blurb. It will link it to iTunes. It will link it to Spotify. And then we're good to go. And it's literally then released. And, and the rest is, is history. So it isn't that difficult. There's loads of apps. I think Gary V's backed an app on um, iTunes. I can't remember what it's called now. But it's a podcast app that allows you to record on your phone, invite people into it as well on your phone, add an intro, add some background music, and actually publish it for the app. So I can't remember, again, not very helpful, I know. But there is an app out there on the App Store that does all of it together so and i think that's like eight quid nine quid something like that as a one-off purchase wow that's pretty cool actually and if he's back in it there's, there's got to be some some legs to it and i think just as much as it is a simple process it can take a bit of time and i think especially when you start it's going to take longer than what me and rick are saying so just be prepared for either outsource it get someone else to edit it if you're super super busy and, and don't want to use the tech otherwise yeah give it give it a bit of time at the start and you'll get so used to it at the end. You won't even listen to it to edit it sometimes. Yeah, absolutely. And again, it's about keeping it all real. So Ted, you know, we're into an hour now. I haven't even touched the sides on the rest of the stuff. The one thing, the last thing I really wanted to touch on today, because I know you're busy and I know you've got to go is what do you think about sponsorship for podcasts? Do you think it's, um, do people get annoyed with adverts? Do you think people just accept them for what they are? And do you do them? 
So I don't have any adverts because I personally get really annoyed by them because what I've noticed is when, when you're podcasting, you're talking like you and me are talking, but the second the podcaster reads an advert, I would like to thank our sponsors, please, for this and down this and that. It's like, what, how, what, what happened to your voice? It just sounds so like you're reading off a script and I'm like, oh, come on, if you're going to do an advert, maybe just do it so it sounds like you. So I personally skip them. I know like Tom Billu has like three minutes of adverts. So irritating. I just keep hitting the 30 second skip, skip, skip. But from what I've spoken to a lot of people, they've kind of said, we accept it. And yeah, we, we probably just skip them um, unless it's something really relevant. So I've left them off because at the kind of listener number I have, I don't think the money from it would really be worth the irritation that I'd personally get from it. And also others may also get from it. So I, I've left it off. Look, I think it's a great idea. If you're, you know, if you're like, you know, all these like Gary Vee or whoever, who's getting tens of hundreds of thousands, millions of listens, you know, you're going to sponsor it because you are going to get some big money from that. But yeah, I just, yeah, at my level anyway, there's just no point. I don't really like them either, to be honest. Um, I don't mind like at the end, if like, you know, a broker or someone I trusted and knew and used was like, Hey, here's a discount code for our event or something like that. That's totally cool at the end. But yeah, I think that's my view on it. It's pretty similar to ours. You know, we have pushed a couple of our own products in the past on some of our podcasts, but we've kind of gone down the route now of, you know what, let's do quality content. That's all people want to listen to. And, mm-hmm. and for the sake of what, I don't know what you get paid as, um, you know, from sponsors, I really don't know. But for the sake of a few hundred quid a month, I think it's probably just easier to throw out better content and get more listens on it without, as you say, pissing people off, really. So, Tej, it's been absolutely awesome. As I say, I've not even touched the sides of what I wanted to ask you. I don't like to go over an hour, really, on the pods because, you know, I think an hour is just about gym time. Um, So um, I want to thank everyone for listening. Tej, I want to thank you for doing what you do, firstly. Thank you for the great quality content on your podcast that you keep providing. Keep it up. Up. I know that everybody that's going to be listening now are going to hit, you know, people that aren't subscribed to your channel, they're going to get straight over to Tej Talks, folks, T E J Talks, and it's available on every single format. Just get on there, hit the subscribe button, start following Tej, start listening to his great podcasts. And Tej, if people need to ask you a question or reach out to you personally, what's the best way for them to do that? Best way to do it is <coughs> Facebook, and that's Tej Singh. Surname is S I N G H, or Instagram, and that's Tej.talks. I respond pretty quickly. So, yeah, get in touch. And Rick, thank you so much for your kind words. I really, really appreciate it. And thank you so much for having me on. Awesome, Tej. Thank you. Have an awesome day. You too. Thanks, everyone, for listening. What a great show. I'm sure you'll agree. If you need to reach me at all, then check us out at the HMO Property Community Group. Tag me in on Facebook. Hit me up in the office. You can call me on 01886 834 800 if you need any questions answered. Catch you on the next show, folks. Have a great day.